Okay. Good morning, everybody. Trust you're all good. Hi, Tony. Also, just uh, as, as Raymond was saying with the engagement there, just right behind them, we've got a couple there. Maybe you two can stand up, Nathan and Jade. You guys just, this couple just got married now beginning December. Congratulations. So firstly, can I, can I just say Happy New Year to all of you? I'm the first one from the stage to say that. <laughs> Happy New Year, and uh, I trust, I really trust you guys all had a great Christmas, and a really Happy New Year with friends and family, and also trust that some of you had a real good rest. So for those, I know Raymond introduced me now, but those who don't know me, my name's Brandon. Um, I'm one of the worship leaders here at Glenridge, and I've also just recently uh, taken charge on overseeing our worship team, and I thought, you know, while I have the mic, I'll just take this opportunity and just say, you know, if there's anybody out there that sees Glenridge as, as their home, as their family, and you're a muso, please come and talk to me. If you're a drummer or a bassist, piano player, if you're a singer, or if, you don't play, if you're not a musician and you're interested in sound, sound is a very, very important part of worship. The guys, what's happening behind the desk here is extremely, extremely important. If, you, if you're interested in doing sound, come and chat to me. All right, don't be afraid. If, if you don't know how sound works and you're interested, there's guys there that can train you. All right, and we promise we won't throw you in the deep end and leave you alone for, this, for you to sink. Okay. Cool beans. Okay, let me just find my spot here. Okay, as most of you know, I'm going to stick to my notes, all right? So I'm going to, so I don't just get my nerves calm here. I'm just holding on here. So as most of you know, we are, Currently, we've currently been going through the series, The Holy Table. And this morning, I'll be doing the third installment. So Stan and Raymond, the famous Raymond here, they did the first two installments in December last year. And if you haven't heard, if you haven't, just close this, if you haven't uh, listened to those two preachers, Please go onto our website, on the Glenridge Church website. You can click on podcasts, then find sermons, and you'll find them there. And can I encourage you to go and listen to them if you haven't? Okay, so the title of my preach this morning is Peter Restored at a Breakfast Table. You know, we were singing the song just now, You Restore Broken Hearts. And it was just like, oh. I felt that very strong, obviously with what I'm going to talk on this morning about. But before I start, I just want to remind us again around this idea of the holy table. The word holy means to be different. It means to be like no other. So, for example, when we say God is holy, we are saying that God is different. God is not like us. There's no one like God or, or who will ever be like God. God is creator. We are the created. 
He is unique. Our God is holy. So holy is more than just about being pure or being sinless. Okay? Which God is. God is pure. God is sinless. In actual fact, God is pure light. In him there is no darkness at all. So being holy, or the word holy, actually means just being different, being other. Now the same goes with the idea of the holy table. The holy table is a table that is different. It's unique. It's like no other table. It's, like no, it's, not, it's not like any other ordinary table. And when people come and sit at this table... They encounter something different, something other, something unique, something profound. Those who sit at this table walk away deeply impacted by it. Now the reason that this table is so different than any other table isn't because of the table itself but it's because of the one who's sitting there. What makes this table different, what makes this table holy, is because of the very presence of Jesus himself sitting there. It's about Jesus. It's the very presence of Jesus that makes the table a holy table. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus at many different, many different various tables. Somewhere in the homes of people like tax collectors and sinners and people who were friends of Jesus like Mary and Martha. At other times, Jesus sat at a table out in the open having a fish bra or feeding 5,000. And this is just to name a few. So the table can look, can, can look very differently. But wherever Jesus was, wherever he sat, at whatever table you would find Jesus at, the table would become a holy moment. One common thread that we can see that always happened when Jesus was sitting at a table whenever Jesus was present at a table, was that ministry always happened and lives were impacted deeply. Our tables can be the same. The Bible says that we are called a royal priesthood of believers. What that actually means is if you're a believer in Jesus this morning, you are a priest we are called a royal priesthood of believers, a holy people, a people set apart for the purpose of being those who would carry on doing the things that Jesus did, to minister the way he ministered. You see, Jesus didn't just come and save us. Jesus didn't just walk that journey to the cross and save us just to get us to heaven. 
but he also empowers us by his Holy Spirit to go and do what he did. To continue his ministry by the power of his Spirit. This is what we're called to do, and it's a privilege. And at the best of times, it can really be fun. So wherever you and I go, and at whatever table we might find ourselves at, we can partner with Jesus and allow his ministry to flow through our lives and impact those around us. With the help of Jesus and his Holy Spirit, we too can turn our ordinary tables into holy moments. So this morning, I want us to look at one of the moments where Jesus sits at a breakfast table and uses this moment to restore Peter. It's a beautiful moment where the grace of God just reaches out to Peter and brings restoration in his life after he like completely blunders his walk with Jesus. And we'll get to that now. Now before we get to where Jesus restores Peter, I just want to go through a little bit of a backstory just to paint the picture. On the day of, Pente- on the day of Passover, not Pentecost, on the day of Passover, Jesus um, prepares, sets, a, sets uh, a table, he gets a guy to set a table, get it ready for the Last Supper, where Jesus himself and with his disciples, they can sit and, you know, enjoy their last meal. And it's at this table, while they're having this Last Supper, that uh, Jesus turns around and he says, one of you, sitting at this table, one of you are going to betray me. And it's like all the disciples sitting at the table thinking, and like shocked and sad by this. It's like, no, you know, who is it? Surely it's not me, you know? But anyway, Jesus then carries on. He breaks the bread. He says, this is the bread. This, this is a symbol of my body being broke, that's going to be broken for you. Then he takes the cup and he says, this is the blood of, my, of, of the covenant, which is going to be poured out for the forgiveness of, of sins. And then they end the meal. And then they go off to, um, I think it's the Mount of Olives. And it's here, at the Mount of Olives, that Jesus turns to his disciples, and we'll find this in Matthew 26, verse 31. And Jesus says, This very night, you will all fall away on account of me. That's very strong. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. This is where Peter gets up. You know, Peter is, has a knack of always speaking before thinking. <laughs> so Peter gets up and he replies in verse 33 of Matthew 26. He says, Jesus, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will fall away. I won't fall. I'll be right there with you. But Jesus answers Peter by saying, very truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, Peter, you will, you yourself will disown me. But Peter gets up again and he says, no ways. He insists. He says that 
He says, Jesus, even if I have to die with you, even if I have to die with you, I will never, ever disown you. Now, we all know how that story ends. Peter does disown Jesus and does so three times. And after disowning Jesus the third time, he hears this rooster crow. And when he hears that rooster crow, he remembers what Jesus had said to him. And it says that Peter then breaks down and weeps bitterly. So let's go, let's now go to John 21, where we find, after all this happens, where we find Jesus restoring Peter at a breakfast table. I'm going to read from verse 1 through to verse 19. It's a, quite a few verses, but I thought it best to do this just so that we get the whole picture. So here we go. John 21, verse 1 through to 19. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others were together. Now this I want you to remember. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So Jesus called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. You know, reading this now, this sounds very much similar to the same way when Jesus, when the disciples were called the first time by Jesus. Then the, then the disciple whom Jesus loved, this is uh, John, because John's writing here, he's saying, he's talking of himself. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. You know, when I read that, I thought, why would Peter jump in the water? It can only be two reasons. It could be maybe he, he, he's trying to get to Jesus quickly, or could it be he shouldn't have been out there fishing and he tried to hide. Could be either way, I'm not sure. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, 
Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Peter, follow me. You see, after Peter had disowned Jesus, after he had totally blown it with Jesus, Peter decided to go back to what he knew. He decided to go back to what was comfortable for him. His default setting was, I'm going out to fish. We see that in verse 3. In actual fact, Peter decided to go back to what Jesus had actually called him out of. In Mark 4, verse 18 to 19 is where we see where Jesus calls Peter. He says, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. You see, Peter decided to throw in the towel on the call on his life because he felt that he had blown it completely. He disowned Jesus, this Jesus whom he walked with for three years, this Jesus who called him by name to become fishers of men, the same Jesus whom Peter said was the Son of God, the Christ, after Jesus asked him, Peter, who do you say I am? I mean, can, can you even imagine, really, can you even imagine what was going on in Peter's mind after he denied Jesus, after he completely disowned him? Can you imagine the voices that must have been going on in his head? Must have been like, look at you, Peter. You're such a failure. You failed the Son of God. Not just a normal person. You failed the Messiah, the Christ. How could you ever forgive yourself? 
Well, how could God ever forgive you? I mean, Jesus, Peter was present when Jesus made this statement where Jesus said, if anyone disowns me among others, in the front of others, I will disown them before my Father in heaven. Peter was there when Jesus said that. So you can imagine what's going on inside of Peter. Haven't we at times behaved in a similar way? Haven't we felt, haven't we blundered it with God? And then what we do is go back to default settings. We just like put our feet in the ground and say, okay, I'm just going to stay here. It's comfortable here. This journey is a little too, too rough for me. It's a little too difficult. We go back to what is comfortable and we live in the, we live in the zone of comfort. This is, uh, I'm just thinking, uh, we had a guy in our home group and he used to say in Afrikaans, he say, I get my werk and I get my kerk. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of attitude of, it's just, this is comfortable. I'm not going to go, I don't want to get too zealous for God. I don't want to, you know, I fell too many times. So I'm, 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 I'm just going to stay right here. So what we do is we stop following Jesus and the call that he has on our lives. But you see, this is how gracious Jesus is. Jesus doesn't leave Peter there. He comes and looks for Peter and calls out from the shore where they are fishing. You know, it's like Jesus comes to the shore of Peter's brokenness and failure. He stands at the shore of Peter's despair. It's like Peter's in this boat and this boat's name is failure. You've just failed. You're a failure. And Jesus is standing at the shore and he's saying, hey, Peter, Glenridge, Jesus who is full of grace and truth is always standing at the shores of our brokenness and our failures. And he is always calling out. This is why you came. You know, Jesus said, I've not come to condemn this world. I've not come to condemn you, but to save you. Jesus will always come and meet you right where you are at, even if you've blundered it badly. Even if you've decided to go back fishing like Peter did. But can I say, when we hear Jesus calling out to us from the shores of our brokenness and from the shores of our failures or the shores of our despair or, or whatever it may be, run to him. Run to him. Because restoration happens there with Jesus and it happens at his table. You see, after Jesus calls Peter and the disciples with him out from the shore, after they realize that this is Jesus calling because of the great amount of fish that they caught, you know, they, they then go, land their boat there by Jesus and what do they see? They see a fire of burning coals with fish on it and some bread. 
And then Jesus turns to them and says, come sit, come have breakfast, come and sit with me. It is here at this breakfast table where Jesus reaches in and gets to the heart of where Peter's at and restores him. So yes, we can hear Jesus calling us. We can hear his voice saying, come out, come out of where you are. Where you are. Come out of your comfort, come out of your, your whatever it may be. But the reason when he calls out is he's inviting you to come and sit with him so that he can restore you. Now here at the table, Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? In other words, Peter, do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than this life that you're wanting to go back to? Do you love me more than your comfort? Do you, do you love me more than the mess that you find yourself in? You know, just thinking now, you know, love is a very powerful driving force. This whole, this whole part, how Jesus restores Peter, Jesus is talking about love. Where is your love? Where is your worship? What you love, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. What you love, what you, what, what, what you elevate in your life, that takes control. So if anybody is sitting here, if anybody's sitting here and you're feeling like, oh, I've messed it up or I'm, 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 I'm in a mess, the way out is sitting with Jesus at his table and hear him, hear him say to you, do you love me more? That's your way out. Restoration happens in our lives, when we look at Jesus and say, I love you, and you continue saying to him, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And when you keep gazing on him and, and pouring your love out on him, that what is behind you begins to fall and it begins to fade and begins to lose its, its hold on you. Jesus continues to ask Peter three times, do you love me? Exactly, exactly the same number of times that Peter disowned Jesus. You know, and it, uh, just a sideline, I, I, I was saying to my wife, to Chantel, I was saying to, you know, I, I, whenever I read scriptures, I, I always tend to pick up like correlations. Up. Like for example here, after, G, after Peter denies, disowns Jesus, it says he cries bitterly. He, he, he feels pain. Now exactly the same number of times that Peter disowned, Jesus now asks him, do you love me? And it says this. On the third time when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? We see that Peter is cut to the heart. It says that he's hurt. And it's in that moment, on that third time, it's in that moment when Peter's heart gets cut, that Peter turns to Jesus and says, Lord, you know all things. In other words, Lord, you can see into me. And that was the turning point for Peter. 
So when we sit at Jesus' table and we, we, we realize that Jesus knows all things, he sees all things, he can see right into you, there's nothing you can hide, there's nothing you can, there's nothing that will surprise him, he sees you. But it's when we from this side of the table, when we sit and we open up and we realize that, and we open ourselves up to him, and we say, you can look in, that's when change starts happening. This is a beautiful picture of how Jesus restores and how Jesus restores completely. Jesus can restore completely. Peter totally blew it and thought it best, best to go back to what he knew. But Jesus did not leave Peter there. He goes and calls out to him from the shore. And when Peter hears the call, he comes to Jesus. He sees that he gets invited to a meal, to a breakfast table, and Jesus begins to speak to his heart and powerfully restores him. Glenridge, our tables are to be the same. Let us not be afraid to invite those who are sitting in boats of brokenness and failures. Let us call out to them and invite them around our tables as well. There are people among us and out there in our sphere of influence that really need to meet Jesus around our tables and be restored. We have the Holy Spirit in us and with us. And with his presence, we can see lives restored around our tables. Now, as I close, I was sitting up one night, just Asking, asking God, what, what, what should I share on? How should I preach this, 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 this uh, piece of scripture on? And I was just reminded, it was like two o'clock in the morning, eh? And I, I was just reminded of Psalm 23, especially verse five, where it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I, I obviously I couldn't sleep. So I just went to, I went to a dining room table and I sat down and I, I just started just writing out what I was just seeing from this verse. And I just felt God just say to me, Brandon, I want you to be vulnerable and I want you to share this. So this is something that I just felt God was just speaking to me personally about. So here it goes. And then we'll, yeah, and then we'll end. There is a table that has been set for you. And on this table, you see the bread, you see the wine. This table came at a great cost. It costs the life of the one who sits there. The one whose blood speaks a better word over you. When you sit at this table that has been set for you, and you turn your eyes and ears to the and of, when you turn the eyes and ears of your heart to him who sits there, here Jesus himself will restore you. Here he will anoint your head with his oil. Here at his table, rivers, rivers of his life-giving spirit will flow and your cup will run over. It is here at the holy table of Jesus that your soul will learn to shout with such hope, 
Surely, Lord, your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. Surely, Lord, because of your table, I will be with you forever. Very good. Amen.